Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Interesting case out of Oregon. And, um, you know, we've talked before about online reviews. You, you post an online review and somebody doesn't like your review. Can you get in trouble for it? So online reviewers in Oregon are on notice now. The Supreme Court there has declined to offer ordinary people higher media protection from libel suits. Zane Sparling wrote this for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Merchants irked by online reviews will still have an open lane to file libel lawsuits against their critics. That's from the Oregon Supreme Court. Media organizations will remain relatively secure against such defamation suits. And I remember learning this in law school. And in law school, you talk about freedom of the press and free speech and all this stuff. And there's a different standard for the press compared to regular people. And there's a different standard for public figures versus regular people. So in this ruling, the state's highest court declined to extend free speech protection available to the media to ordinary people, batting down arguments that anyone with an internet connection and an opinion now acts as a journalist. And so a lot of people have made that argument. They say, well, I'm a journalist. And I've had people tell me that I'm a journalist, me. <laughs> they go, Steve, you, you're, you're, you're on the internet making videos talking about the news. You're a journalist. Um, I never considered myself a journalist, but, you know, it is a gray area. While the decision has broader implications, the case at hand stems from a Jackson County Circuit Court lawsuit between piano stores, two piano stores. In 2013, one piano store owner sued another piano store, who is a competitor, after its owner posted a phony review on Google claiming that the first store smelled like grandma's attic and the business can't be trusted. A circuit judge found in favor of the uh, competitor without a trial in 2016, noting the online review had been deleted before it could be documented and saying he couldn't issue a ruling without an exact copy. But the first store appealed and won, which took the case to the Oregon Supreme Court. Free speech advocates hope the state's high court would seize the opportunity to change Oregon law, which currently offers separate, tougher standards to prove defamation suits against the media. Successful cases against the media must show actual malice, which is that a falsehood was published on purpose or with reckless disregard for the truth. And that is one of those weird legal terms that doesn't make sense, the actual malice. If you look up malice in the dictionary, you'll get something entirely different until you see the legal definition, which is that. And of course, actual malice is that a falsehood was published on purpose, knowing it was false, or with reckless disregard for its truth or falsity. Libel suits filed against a regular person can succeed merely if the statements are proven untruthful. So if someone says it and it's not truthful, it doesn't matter if there's actual malice. Oregon's double standard is out of step with the law in most other states, says law professor William Funk as well as the interpretation in federal court in Oregon, which makes no distinction between media and non-media writers. So Funk says, if you file a libel suit in a federal court in Oregon, then you'll get a different constitutional decision if you file an Oregon state court, which just doesn't make any sense. The U.S. Supreme Court, however, has not ruled definitively on the matter, which of course is why this weird conflict exists. Funk joined two other Oregon law professors, 
along with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, UCLA law professor Eugene Volok, and appellate lawyer Howard Bashman in a friend of the court brief seeking to extend the actual malice standard to all defamation cases on topics of public concern. But the court declined to do so, writing, Plaintiff will not be subject to a heightened proof-of-fault requirement that apply to media defendants in defamation cases. The justice acknowledged the criticism but said the case did not offer an opportunity for careful examination of the fine line between web users and institutional journalists. We cannot destabilize over 40 years of precedent on the strength of a few hypotheticals and some abstract concerns about modernity. The judge also returned the case to the lower court, saying the exact text of the review wasn't necessary to proceed. In a separate opinion, two judges said they would overturn the double standard. Now, the man who filed the lawsuit said he's pleased the court had seen the distinction between journalistic commentary and what he called a cyber smear campaign by a rival. How could letting people get away with publicizing false facts be in the public interest, he asks. A lawyer for the piano company that lost this one didn't respond to a request for comment. The Oregon Supreme Court in 2016 previously sided with a consumer who wrote a scathing online review of a wedding venue, but only after determining the man had posted his negative opinions, not assertions of fact. And that, of course, is another thing, is when you make a statement about something, the question is whether it's true or false. Um, are opinions subject being true or false? Yesterday was a bad day. You're a liar. <laughs> In my opinion, it might have been. And so you, you can see why that might be a gray area. Now, there's obviously some things that are objectively true or false, right? Uh, and there's other things that are obviously just opinions, you know? I might tell you that I really, really like a band and that band is great. You might tell me you hate that band. You think that band is horrible. We're both right. We're both right because they're opinions. <laughs> but when someone says that someone is untrustworthy and they just say that as an insult, that's always been a problem. And believe it or not, that goes back hundreds of years where they talked about defamation laws, libel or slander. Slander is if you say something spoken and libel if it's written. Uh, but those are both forms of defamation. Defamation, of course, is any attack on a person's character. And one of the most damning things you can say about somebody is that they're dishonest or untrustworthy. And those kinds of statements, you might say, well, that's my opinion. You start getting into an area where it's like, well, is it based on anything? Or are you just saying stuff because you're trying to hurt this person? And so if you've never interacted with somebody, and you say, but they're dishonest. They lie. They cheat. They steal. Well, those are just my opinions. <laughs> really? You've crossed a line. But the bigger issue here is that if a newspaper reports something in Oregon that is false, it must be proven that they knew it was false or that they published it recklessly without regard to whether it was true or false. But if a person who is not a journalist simply publishes something that is not true, the person injured by that statement can simply show, I can prove it's not true, therefore I win. They don't have to prove that the person knew it was untrue. They don't have to prove that the person did it with a reckless disregard of the truth or falsity. 
So there are two standards, that for journalists and that for regular people. Some people are going to ask, Steve, was there ever really a reason to make that distinction? Why, why was that necessary and why would that make sense? And the reason they did that, I believe, if you go back far enough, uh, is that the concern was that if newspapers published something and somebody was unhappy with what the newspaper published, they'd sue the newspaper. Well, newspapers publish stuff almost every single day that would make someone unhappy. And if you could simply sue them and allege that what they wrote isn't true, well, even if it was true, you don't find out until after the trial's over how it's going to turn out. So newspapers would be defending themselves against lawsuits all day long, seven days a week. That's all they'd be doing. And if you don't think that I'm correct on that, I challenge you to go to, say, freep.com or debtnews.com, Detroit News or Free Press, two of the major newspapers in southeastern Michigan, and pick either one and simply scroll through the stories. And I assure you, on any day, you will find a story about someone where if you were that person, you'd wish that story wasn't there. And if you were the subject of the story and you could sue, wouldn't you? (laughs) So almost every day, the newspapers contain stories about people who wish they weren't in the news. So that's what's happening in Oregon right now. Double standard. And it would take the U.S. Supreme Court basically to straighten this out on some levels, unless this court were to change its mind. And they don't often do that. But online reviewers in Oregon on notice, Supreme Court declines to offer ordinary people higher media protection from libel suits. Zane Sparling wrote that for the Oregonian. John sent it to me. Thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Excellence is a habit acquired by continuous improvement on the little things you do with a firm belief that it's going to be better than before.